This is the Action Network Podcast. <laughs> wait in, wait in, man. Raise your hand if you saw this one coming. I guess this guy can run all night. And he will run for a long Hello and welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm your host, Anthony Devundo, and this is a special the championships wimbledon best bets edition i'm joined by action network tennis editor avery zimmerman and monday match analysis's finest and tennis channel's own gil gross to join us for yet another uh, grand slam preview the third uh, time we've done this and uh you know definitely the hardest i think of the of the three so far just because of the limited sample that we have of grass court tennis we've been playing grass for what three weeks now uh, Roland Garros feels like it ended a week ago. Uh, we went to grass. Some people cared. Some people didn't. They played a couple of small tournaments and now everybody goes to Wimbledon and it's really hard to kind of gauge the form, but we're here to cash some more long shots. It's a wide open field outside of the top. Novak Djokovic minus 175 at FanDuel to win the trophy yet again to tie Rogers record to etch himself further into the history books. Uh, and, you know, and potentially get three quarters of the way to the calendar Grand Slam, which he nearly did in 2021. So we get to the draw here. And yes, Djokovic is the overwhelming favorite. There's only one player in the field that has ever beaten him at Wimbledon. Andy Murray, many, many, many moons ago. And thus, he has not lost a grass match in five years. So before we get into our best bets off the top, Djokovic... What's the path that he doesn't win Wimbledon? He gets hurt. <laughs> like, I, I honestly think we're in that position where if you ask me what's Novak's biggest threat or what slash who is, I'm going to go with the what. And that's been the one vulnerability for Novak this year in 2023 is despite winning the Australian Open, winning Roland Garros, he has been battling his body pretty much the whole time. Uh, he had obviously the hamstring in Australia and then in the lead up to Roland Garros, his elbow wasn't right. And, you know, the, the latter really became a non-factor come Paris. But, you know, he's definitely, that's the one area where he's shown his age is he, he has been nicked up. He's minus 175 for a reason. Not only is he by far the best grass quarter on earth right now, he also couldn't have picked up a better draw, which he certainly didn't need, but he will take. Pedro Kashin first round, Nakashima or Thompson in the second, maybe Stan in the third round or Rusevori. It's maybe Hercotch in the fourth round would be a little bit tough. Bublik in the quarters, possibly. If Nick was healthy, maybe Nick in the quarters. But beyond that, it's it's nothing. He doesn't have any landmines. You know, Alcaraz is a much tougher path. I think he couldn't have drawn it up any better. So yeah, Gil's right. It's it's just about injury or bust. And you never know in this sport. Maybe Dennis Istomin's in the field this year, but I don't think he is. So I think Novak's looking good. Yeah, grass kind of is the one surface where you can get those kind of results. Those fluky, like we played a bunch of tie breaks. I had a great serving day and it kind of became a coin flippy kind of match. But Djokovic being so good on the return kind of makes it hard to do that kind of thing to him. But upsets can happen. We're going to start with best bets. Avery and I agree. I will let Avery make the case first for his best bet. What is your best bet for, uh, we're doing quarter prices here, quarter price at 
the championships on Monday. Yeah, I'm going to go with Roberto Bautista Gut in the third quarter. I know we are aligned on this, but I will run it down. Bautista Gut is a semifinalist, uh, 2019. He fought Novak and actually played him pretty well in that match, but Djokovic was just too good. He's 19 and seven all time at Wimbledon. He's a veteran, and in this era, I don't think that younger players are really care that much about grass. Generally speaking, it's a short season, and they don't really prioritize it, whereas someone like Bautista Agut has always been very comfortable on grass. It's as unique a service as they have on tour, even though the, all of the services are becoming more and more similar. Uh, he also played well in Hala. He reached the semifinals, beat Medvedev, beat Nakashima, who's a pretty solid grass quarter, beat Vavasori pretty solid player and he played Rublev pretty tough I'm sure he ran out of a little bit of energy at that point but if he's rounding into fitness and and I don't I, I don't think that'll be too much for him to get through four or five matches his path is pretty straightforward as well with with Roman Sefulin the winner of Gasquet or Mute, maybe born to Chorich Ben Bonzi in the third round and then it's Shapovalov who's completely out of form could typically be dangerous on grass but right now isn't anything dangerous or Kasper Ruud who is playing golf and is not preparing and is perhaps getting ready for the, the summer hard court swing. After that, it's just a uh, center of Fritz and he wouldn't be more than, you know, plus plus one fifty, plus 200 in a match like that. So at 14 to one, I think you're getting a, a really good price. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I took some Robbie bats just before this. I think the, the question with him is the form, right? It hasn't really been there, but remember this was a tournament last year where he was pegged as a real dark horse until he was unable to play so, you know, is there like a, a pent up kind of like, you know, I got screwed last year. I really want to focus on Wimbledon. He probably sees the same thing we see, which is that this field outside of the number one guy is incredibly weak. Maybe the weakest Wimbledon field I've ever seen off the, outside of the top guy, just generally as the tour is shifting. And, and you said it, Avery, like these young guys, the season being so compressed, they just don't seem to care that much about grass. They, they didn't grow up on it. The, the game being more and more baseline heavy has kind of shifted away from grass and some of the top guys don't move well on it or they don't feel comfortable in net. And that kind of creates an opening for, you know, a wily veteran who, you know, even though, you know, the tradition of, of the Spanish guys is to be grinders and, you know, play defensively deep in the court, Robbie's more comfortable kind of playing in more aggressive style. Uh, and, you know, could that work for him in this quarter, which is very, very vulnerable uh, at the top. Uh, I think two of the four quarters you look and you're like, man, these top, top seeds have no history of any success on grass you know, outside of their, you know, power rating as tennis players, what makes them so favored and why couldn't they get upset? I think Robbie's the kind of guy that could take advantage. So yeah, I'm going to take Roberto Bautista Agu 14 to one to win his quarter. It's my best bet as well. We're in agreement. So he will lose in the first round. Probably. <laughs> Gil, well, look, I, I, I'll say I have him in the quarterfinal. Uh, I have him making it there. And so by, just by that, I agree with you guys, and and I like that price. I like that bet. Uh, the concern is just physical wear with Baptista Gut being a 35 year old who doesn't get cheap points with his serve, hasn't really proven that he has the legs in best of five uh, since 2019 when he made two quarterfinals. So my biggest issue with RBA has nothing to do with does he have the tennis. Uh, it's really more, does he have the legs? And and also, I'm very confident that he's going to go deep. Uh, I just think come that quarterfinal, maybe you get a letdown. Uh, whereas uh, my best bet uh, is Sebastian Corda, as far as quarter prices are concerned. Uh, that's out there at, at plus 450. Uh, it's an interesting season for Corda because there's 
I'd say the sample size of when Sebastian Corda has been healthy is actually a very small sample size. It's about three tournaments. Adelaide, he makes the final, almost beats Djokovic. Australian Open, he beats Hercoc. He beats Medvedev in straights. That that win aged so well because uh, Daniil kind of got it together after that. Uh, and then Queens, where he made the semifinal and and picked up some great wins, just kind of looked a little bit helpless against Carlos Alcaraz, but that's Alcaraz. Uh, you know, he had the injury though, and that's, you know, why he withdrew from the Australian open, missed all of clay season has been off the radar. You just can't ignore how good he's been when he's been healthy. And then you combine a a guy who has this unbelievably smooth offensive baseline game, flat two-handed backhand helps so much on grass. The problem for him was his, his serve was powder puff for his height. He's, you know, six foot five guy just wasn't serving well. And he's remedied that. So now he's serving big. It makes me like him even more on the grass. I mean, I'll say like the market's onto it. I, he's the, the price for him is reflective of, of everything I'm saying right now, but I still think you got to take it. Yeah. I mean, I think quarter kind of became the dark horse guy when he had the run at Queens. And then we was like, okay, I, I was sitting there. I was thinking, I really want to bet this. Just let me bet it now. Just blind bet. Give me a quarter price. I just want to bet it. Cause I know if the quarter draw comes out and it's good, he's going to be like four or five to one. And here we are. He's, you know, the best I saw is five to one out there. So like quarter, like I want to bet him too. And we're going to talk about quarter two. Cause it's, it's really fascinating. Kind of uh, the top two guys, Medvedev and Tsitsipas are, are vulnerable, of course, but you know, picking the winner out of that quarter, I think is going to be a really fun challenge and kind of, there's going to be some long shots to be had, but yes, Sebi Corda certainly fun has the game. Uh, we're going to move on to quarter one, which given the form and kind of who likes grass and who doesn't like grass uh, quarter one is really interesting because Carlos Alcaraz is the odds on favorite minus 140 out there to take the quarter. He's a pretty heavy favorite Alka grass as they call him now. Uh, but the draw is kind of brutal. Like everybody in the, you know, the top five to six guys on the odds board are people that are very comfortable on the clay that can really push him in different ways, uh, whether it's a Grigor Dimitrov or, or a Dimonur, uh, you know, pretty much guaranteed a fourth round matchup with one of ADM Dimonur or Sasha Zverev. Matteo Berrettini's in the draw. He's got no form, but what's your, you know, read on quarter one. We'll start with Avery here. Do you have a best bet for quarter one? And kind of, you know, how do you handicap this with Rune, Tiafo, Dimitrov, Berrettini, Dimonor, Zverev, and Alcaraz all in the same quarter, uh, you know, just being so unbalanced? Yeah, this is a really interesting quarter. I'm going to go with Alex Dimonor at 11 to 1. Uh, he actually does have a very tough draw, but I think his comfortability and his fitness level makes this price worth it. He has a somewhat of a free first round. There's no free first rounds in the sport, but Kimmer Kopian is as close as you're going to get uh, at Wimbledon. And then he has Sonego or Berrettini. Um, as you said, Berrettini comes in with no form. He played a pretty lifeless match in, in Stuttgart against Sonego. It would be tough to see him doing much damage, especially because his health is still completely up in the air. We didn't even know if he was going to end up playing. Beyond that, he then would would go through likely Zverev, Alcaraz, and Rune, and that's very tough. But I actually think that there's a very decent chance that one of those three, or one of those two, I should say, between Zverev and Alcaraz could be upset by that point. And I also think that Deminor has the head-to-head win just a, a week ago against Rune. 
in Queens. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that matchup either. And generally speaking, even though Alcaraz played one of the best matches he's ever played, if not the best on grass uh, against Diminor at Queens, I actually thought that he showed some great signs. He competed with Alcaraz in Barcelona, which is just about as good of a service or close to as good of a service as you can get for Carlos. So I think that's the price that I would go with. I, I think Tiafo at nine to one isn't awful, but I think he's got all these landmines and Yibing Wu, Alexi Popper and Dominic Stricker, Dimitrov, Bodic Arun, Carlos Zverev, and then Demon. So really, it's kind of the same idea as you're, what you're looking at with Demon being a tough path. But I think they're about on the same level. And at 11 to 1, I'll, I'll, I'll take Demonor. Yeah, I love Tiafo. I love his game on this surface. I think it's, you know, he's really shown, uh, you know, real improvement in the last 9 to 12 months. But the question is, like, how many tie breaks is he about to play in this tournament with all these guys that, you know, can you know, keep holding serve with him. And he's run like a God. He's played excellently well in tiebreakers over the last year, but you know, he's, you know, one or two coin flips tiebreaks away from going out pretty early. And, and the price on him just wasn't quite what I was hoping for. Uh, Gil, what are your thoughts on, you know, best bet in this quarter and thoughts as you break it down? Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying about how just good this quarter is, I mean, you're not going to find someone who has a path that looks nice because this quarter is too good. Uh, I, I power rank the Wimbledon contenders and uh, four out of the top 10 are in this quarter. And it ended up being six out of the top 15 were in this quarter. So it, there's a lot of imbalance. Uh, ultimately, I, I think, I think for, first of all, I do think Alcaraz is going to navigate his way through uh, a bad draw for a player that good means if you have a bad day, you're going to lose. But what's been so impressive about Carlitos season is that he is not having those bad matches. He had them last year, uh, kind of, you know, every once in a while. I don't want to say regularly, uh, but every once in a while. And he's, he's really avoided that. I mean, Marojan was a bad loss on paper. I don't even think he played that bad. But that's the only surprising loss early in a tournament you can even point to. Uh, so I actually think Alcaraz, who will, will get through. But uh, so I go to the other side. And yeah, Tiafo, I saw it at 10 to 1. Uh, so that's a little bit better than 9 to 1, obviously. And I'm, I'm looking at someone whose backhand is just so effective on the surface, uh, flattens out the serve, gets free points with that. Uh, he's always moved well. If you look at the Wimbledon history, he's lost some heartbreakers, some five setters. Well, the, the biggest things that have gotten better for Tiafo in the last year are his fitness and his focus. He has less dips in matches and his endurance, which, which was a problem in the past. It's gotten really, really good. Not a problem on grass. So I, I, I trust him to get through those tight matches, get through through those tie breaks. And uh, at 10 to 1, he's my favorite uh, bet to win the quarter. Yeah, you know, Alcaraz, uh, you know, came in kind of unproven on grass, but like there's no reason his game with the power he has wouldn't quickly translate once he got some matches under his belt. Uh, and, you know, had some success, not, you know, success for the player in the first time really playing on grass. Last year at Wimbledon, maybe not success compared to where he was power rated in the market. But nevertheless, didn't play. I didn't think a poor match uh, against uh, in, in Wimbledon last year. So as we move on, I, I have nothing here. I, I'm kind of excited to watch this quarter play out. I'm not laying, you know, the minus price on Carlos, but there's nobody that has really like a path that's jumping out to me or a number where I'm like, yes, I really want to bet this guy. So I'm going to skip quarter one personally. Going to move on to quarter two. Let's have some fun. Uh, you know, the draw at the top. It's the two guys that, you know, have not really shown a whole lot on this surface. And I, I think we all 
you know, Medvedev continues to stand, uh, you know, 20 feet off the baseline to return serves. And that has not gone well for him in the past on the surface. And he's slipping all over the court. And, you know, it just really doesn't seem to get him. And, and, and Sitsipas, you know, losing to Nicholas Jari and, uh, you know, seems to be very focused on his relationship at the moment. Can't return on grass, you know, whether you think about that or not. He, his return game on grass is so poor uh, that, you know, it really makes him vulnerable. And you saw that, you know, in, in past losses, including the Kyrgios last year. So in this quarter now with those two guys, uh, now what? You said Corda, Gills on Corda, Avery, initial thoughts, best bet. And and kind of, is this not the quarter where we all need to take like a 20 to one or longer to, to win this, right? Yeah, I'll give you a 40 to one in Marcy Fuksovich, who I love his game. If you're concerned about fitness with any of your tennis bets, which is always one of the biggest parts of the game, this is the guy to not be worried about. He's built like the Hulk um, and he has the cardio to back it up as well. And he's got that grass acumen to back it up as well. We talk about Tiafo being one of the most informed players. Fuksovich pushed him in a coin flip match. Uh, I believe it was in Stuttgart. I think he's easily a top 15 player on the surface at this point because we talked about how young players kind of view the surface. And you look at the top players in this quarter, it's Medvedev, who's still really struggling on grass. And like you said, you can take away the the time and space, much like Hercotch did in 2021. And it's a pretty simple path towards at least execution may be tougher, but the game plan is very clear with beating Med on grass. Seb Korda is still young and, and beatable. He's also still getting his fitness back. Andy Murray is old. Sitsipas, you talked about, he's, I believe, one and two on grass coming in or one and three coming in. And he's looked pretty poor. Like you said, he's focused on other things, maybe at the moment or looking ahead beyond into the hardcourt season. I thought Nori looked very underwhelming, particularly against Korda. Go all the way down to Fuksovich at 40 to one. And his path is pretty clear cut, actually. You you have him at the same price as Dominic Team. Marcos Giron, he's got longer odds than than Maxime Cressy, who's who's won, I think, one match out of maybe his last 12 or something like that. And this is a crazy price to me. This is a guy that's reached the quarterfinals. His path is Greek Spore, where it's just about a coin flip, Marcos Giron or Hugo Delian. And then he's got uh, either Med or, or Manorino, who is good, surely going to be gassed after this run in Mallorca. I, side note, am very keen towards fading, and I'll talk more about this later, but these guys that are making these deep runs in, in Eastbourne and Mallorca right now. But even if it's Med, I, he has a win against him at Roland Garros, which is a grand slam. He has the confidence. This is an even better surface for him. And then it comes next round is Sarindolo and Tommy Paul, who are both playing on a Saturday ahead of a grand slam, or maybe even Milos Raonic. And then it's any one of of Sitsipas, Nori, Seb Korda, or, or maybe Andy Murray. This is a somewhat straightforward path for Fuksovich. I don't think he's a long underdog in any of these matches. And at 40 to 1, I, I think this is just right up there with Batista Gut and, and, and one of my favorite bets of the tournament. I, I like Greek sport a little bit too much. Um, and I kind of like Greek sport's price. It's such an interesting first round match. Uh, I, I kind of agree with you. What I Where I agree with you is that there shouldn't be that big a difference between Fucevic and Griegspor, they both have uh, the this opportunity at the draw that you've laid out. Uh, but I've really loved what I've seen from Griegspor, who won Hertogenbosch earlier in the, the grass court season. Uh, he's a little bit underpowered in heavy conditions, but in the quick conditions, his serve and his forehand, uh, they come through and they penetrate. 
And what I really love about his grass game, probably most of all, is just how much he's coming forward. And when I was envisioning, okay, let's see, Daniil Medvedev, first of all, Medvedev would have to get through Manorino second round. I know that's a guy who's gone deep here in the week before Wimbledon, but I think that's rough for, for Daniil. Uh, but let's say it comes down to Greeks for uh, Medvedev. I really love the way Talon is just going to get to net often, early and often, and, and execute volleys. A little bit more so than Fucevic. I think he'd stay back uh, a bit more. So my, uh, my vision was actually Greek spore in the quarters. So I have Korda over Greek spore in the quarters. You guys are head-to-head in first round. Uh, I think uh, my focus and kind of interest is on a couple of these Americans. I just want to kind of rapid-fire these questions at you guys. So Ben Shelton, am I crazy? 28 to one. Uh, yeah, Sitsipas is the seed, right? So he gets Taro Daniel in round one, Maxime Cressy in round two, or Gero, who's not very comfortable on the grass. You talked about Cressy, hasn't won any matches anywhere all year. Uh, potentially Andy Murray or Peniston in round uh, three. If, if Sitsipas falls, like uh, Shelton served, like how is he not, you know, not necessarily a coin flip against Sitsipas, but definitely like pretty competitive with him if that happens in round three. Uh, you know, Korda. Nori is you know, the scammer, you know, you're not going to get me to believe in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, where's the guy where Ben Shelton has no chance, or is it more a matter of, you know, he doesn't have the legs to do it over, over five matches, but also he's not going to be playing these long drawn out points. Ben Shelton, am I crazy? He's not returning serve well enough uh, is probably the biggest thing where I think if he were to play Pass, I'd, Definitely want that money line because uh, I think we'd be looking at tie breaks. I don't think either of them are really returning well enough to break. But yeah, Shelton's having a lot of trouble, I think, just adjusting to the to the pace of play initially. His backhand is very long. Uh, normally, we look to the one-handers who can struggle with the backhand return, but he's had some trouble on the two-hander uh, with the return. So uh, like, if it were Murray in the third round who's going to make returns in play you would think i i would uh not love shelton there unless andy were, were physically cooked yeah shelton versus murray would be actually a pretty fun match but i would certainly think that murray could be a very valuable option there if he's anything minus 150 or shorter also against chris eubanks this past week 14 double faults and then he had 10 double faults in in two matches in queens so if he's aggressive enough and it's because, you know, more of a Maxime Cressy style of I'm going to go all out on the second serve. And if it goes in great, I'll win the point, but he's only was winning 70, 60 to 70% of those points. So at the same time, it's not necessarily good enough to say it's a massive second serve. And I just don't think he has the comfortability yet. It's his first season, which is all right, but that's a, a, a really difficult draw for him. You talked about Manorino being worried about the legs. Am I crazy on Manorino or is Manorino the kind of guy where we're all going to bet him money line second match against Medvedev? I think the short angles that that he attacks Medvedev with is a, a huge problem for Daniil. Uh, you have to move inside the court and cut off some angles against Manorino or he's going to stand in the doubles alley on his serve and you're going to be running the rest of the way with how he with how well he changes direction uh and you know just the height of bounce stuff and the way he matches medvedev for consistency i think there's a real matchup problem there and, and we've seen that with other players on tour and manorino uh, and just manorino on grass in general it, it's a nightmare i mean he 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 gave rafa 
And Nadal was playing really well. Uh, he gave him everything in that early. Was it, I don't know if it was a first round or a second round, but Wimbledon last year, uh, he was really taking it to Nadal the first two sets. And then he got tired, which is really the, the way Manorino loses is if you, you kind of put him into the trenches and extend the match long enough. Yeah, he so, actually probably should have been Federer in 2021 as well. If he didn't slip and hurt his knee, he was up two sets true. to one. He was in the driver's seat for that match for sure. Fortunately, you know, you don't root for injuries, but, you know, thank you, Manorino, for not ruining Federer's last run at Wimbledon completely. But I, like you just noted, the legs are going to be a, a big problem. This is going to be his fourth straight week of tennis, and he's made a somewhat deep run, at least in, in every week. And if this was a best two out of three, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about Manorino against Medvedev too. But three out of five, Med's still going to be deep. But at this point, there's going to be so much tennis. This is going to be one of the longest Wimbledon matches that you'll that you'll see on a minute per set basis. And I think he would be a trendy pick, and I'd love to take him as well. But I just don't trust that he'll be able to to, to get his legs under him by then. Yeah, I'm not going to invest in 25 to one because I agree the, the the volume of tennis is certainly going to catch up with Manorino at his age and and his lack of uh, you know ability to go that deep. But I will 100% if we get Medvedev Manorino. I mean, what are we getting on that number? Four to one, five to one? It won't be that high. I don't think you will get that. Yeah. All right. Well, either way, I, we'll see what the number opens <laughs> up. Uh, I'm going to probably be on it just just for the fun. Uh, and I think Manorino, as soon as the draw came out, that was the first thing I circled. Uh, so that's certainly notable. Uh, the last name I had for quarter two, you know, we talked about being out on scam. Well, the next seed kind of after him, Tommy Paul. Now, this draw, you know, Milos Raonic in round two, uh, a qualifier in round one, potentially Dennis Novak in round two, round three, Frankie Sarundolo. Uh, you know, we'll talk about that match in a little bit. Round four, you know, whoever survives that top quarter, whether it's Greekspor, Fuksovic, Manrino, Medvedev, can Tommy Paul knock out toe-to-toe with everybody in his section of the draw and get to the quarterfinals? I've just been a little bit underwhelmed uh, in general with with Tommy recently, and maybe it's not maybe it's not fair because I never expect much from him on clay because uh, the forehand is becomes a problem on right. clay. It's less of a problem on grass. Like he can use his backhand, he can come forward, uh, but it's been a while since he's had a win that that I've liked, and that's why I mean I'm. That's why I see him more as uh, an opportunity for Corda to move forward uh, than than I see him having value. And just to kind of like put put a number on it, I guess. Okay, his last top fifty win, uh, or he did get a top fifty win this week against Sebastian Baez on grass. That's not necessarily a banner win. His top fifty win before that, you have to go back to Miami, beating Davidovich Fakina. Completely agree with Gil with that. I was way more bullish on on Paul last year coming into Wimbledon. I thought he looked really, really solid. Actually, I think it was Eastbourne as well, where he's actually made the semifinals here as well. He lost to Deminor last year in a, an awesome match. And he was actually, I thought, adjusting really well to the grass last year. This year, I haven't really been impressed at all with how he's been playing. You know, he hasn't played a ton of tennis, so perhaps he'll be rounding into form at the right time. But He's another player where he's not completely suited to the grass. To his credit, he smoked Adrian Manorino, who's a beast on the grass last year in the second round of Wimbledon, winning in straight sets. So that's a really impressive win. He also smoked Hiri Vesely, 
who's another pretty solid grass quarter, who maybe was a little bit dead in the legs after playing a five-setter with Davidovich for Kina. But nonetheless, yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of value on Tommy here. I, I won't personally bet it. I think perhaps it's the right number. But if he finds his tennis and plays a little bit like he was last year, I, I actually think that's a pretty pretty solid number. All right. We have to mention Andy. As, like I said earlier, the only player in the trial that's won this tournament besides Novak. Plus 550, third best odds. Uh, no thank you. But uh, thoughts on Murray and kind of is Peniston live at 8-1 to one at FanDuel right now for the first round matchup against Murray? Because Peniston on the, on the grass has had put up some impressive results in the last couple of years. Uh, Murray, you know, not the Murray of old, even though he's had a nice little resurgence here. And, and I'm sure that will be a night match on center court. What are your thoughts on Peniston at eight to one as a potential long shot upset in the first round? I think it's a a good spot maybe to take Peniston to take a set. I'll have to check exactly what the number is, but I'm sure it's something like plus one fifty to plus two hundred. I think that's a really good look because he is a very comfortable grass quarter, who is a Brit obviously, and they have a huge advantage given the the resources and and growing up on the surface. But I am actually pretty bullish on Andy here as well. I think it was unfortunate. I was a bit confused by his efforts to get the seed at Wimbledon. I'm sure there's nuances behind it, and he knows a lot better than I do about how he was approaching it. But he put himself in a big situation where I know his big goal was to get this seed at Wimbledon, and ultimately he needed to win a match or two at Queens, and and he looked absolutely gassed by then after two weeks of challenger tennis. I actually think he's in a really good spot nonetheless, and he got a pretty nice draw. Um, When you look at what he's – what he has in front of him, which is Peniston. And then he'd likely be a favorite against Sitsipas in the second round, I would think. And then he'd likely be a favorite against any of, you know, Shelton, Jer or Cressy or Daniel in the third round. But then he's got, again, a tough matchup in Seb Korda, Cam Nori. He's got to get through Daniil or any of that group of, of Fuksovic, Greek Sports, Rindolo, et cetera. And then he's got to beat Carlos or Zverev. It's probably going to be a bit much for Andy. So at plus 550, I totally would have would have given him a good look at 10 to 1 or something like that. But at this number, and maybe I'm just undervaluing just how fresh and solid Andy's going to be on this surface because he is truly a rare, a rare grass specialist at this point in, in tennis. And that's something that should be accounted for. But I think maybe you're better off looking at Andy on a match-by-match basis, especially if he's anything close to a pick him against Tsitsipas. Yeah, I agree. 550 to me, incredibly... Uh overvalued um especially just because i don't i I get that it's andy murray and he's different but you win the serbaton challenger you win the nottingham challenger it does not mean you're a contender to win wimbledon and i just feel like that that leap it's easy to make that leap and and make a mistake with that uh the way the angle that i've had on murray for a while now and I, i do think that it's a little bit less relevant in 2023 but you don't want to play him in the first three rounds. He's really good in the, particularly the first two rounds. Uh, and then he, and then he fades. So, you know, it, it's, it's bad news for Peniston. It's bad news for Pass. I'd say it's bad news for a Cressy or a Shelton. Uh, but, but after that, he really hasn't at any point since the hip surgery shown that he's going to beat a top 15 level player, let's say after the third round. There's been no evidence that that's in the cards, and I don't see it changing. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, Murray at a dog price, please. Let's get that. If uh, we get that in round two against Sitsipas, I will laugh all, <laughs> all the way to my phone before I place the wager. Uh, anyway, we've talked all right, We've talked about quarter two for a while. Just to recap, Gil, 
you're on Corda to win the to win the quarter. Corda to win the quarter. Avery, you like Martin Fuksovic, our Hungarian friend. He is what forty to one. You said correct. And Gil, you also mentioned you like Greek Spore. I've kind of consumed all the information on who I'm going to be riding with uh, at this at this juncture, and I have decided on Tommy Paul as my official pick at twenty to one. Uh, I I just like this draw too much. I think there's no way uh, he doesn't get to the third or fourth round here, uh, and then you know potentially get a pretty friendly draw depending on what's left uh, of, of that, that section. Uh, if he's able to get out, uh, you know, whether it's Nori, you know, Shelton, Corda, all guys that have question marks coming in. So I'm going to go with Tommy Paul. It's my official pick 21 in this quarter to win it and get to the semis, which would be quite a feat for Tommy. Like you said, given the lack of uh, success he's had recently, Let's go to quarter three. We talked Robbie Bats, so we're going to briefly touch on this. Gil, we'll just go to you because Avery and I have kind of already gone in depth on this. You talked about uh, Bautista Agu as well. You kind of said you have him in the quarterfinals. Do you have any other names or bets you have in this quarter to kind of uh, you know go against our, our consensus Robbie Bats play? Not really. I, I find Sinner and Fritz, uh, first of all, to be somewhat of a toss-up in its in their own right uh not to mention i didn't really plan on getting behind either of them coming into the tournament just so happens that uh i I find this quarter to be relatively weak and therefore i do think that they they'll they'll meet each other and then i mean i i just don't think the price is there on yannick center so i looked at the bottom eighth of this quarter i also like bautista agut in in that area and uh that was also my my play here even though i think that uh it might be hedge time come the quarterfinals yeah, Sinner I, I would advocate... kind of ending up on the same half here same little section kind of makes it uh, a little interesting i would advocate just a little bit for fritz at five to one i think he's far better at five to one than yannick center at two to one because like y'all noted uh, that match is a complete toss-up that match is a complete toss-up and and fritz really struggled mentally last year against an injured Nadal. And if it wasn't for that and he got through Rafa, he's in the semis and he has his quarter. So he's super capable on grass. I know he looked really poor against, against Mackey and in, um, I'm sorry, in Eastbourne, but at the end of the day, that's just a warm up tournament and it's not the biggest deal in the world. And he's really capable of playing on grass. So maybe a little bit of, of, of T Fritz who I'm not the biggest fan of, to be honest, because of his mental struggles and slams, but much better than center at two to one. I think Kasparud is also fascinating. Um, talk about a guy who coming into the tournament, you just think, okay, the guy's three and five in his career on grass and he doesn't seem interested in getting any better. So why the heck should, should, you know, we get behind him? And then the, the draw is just an absolute silver platter and what has he done in his career? He's turned these opportunities <laughs> at majors into runs. So I don't know if I have the guts to do it, uh, but he's eight to one, having made three major finals in his career. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at a huge opportunity when it comes to the, the draw itself. I could be convinced to take Brody or Lestian against Casper Rude in the second round. I just Lauren yeah. McCauley once had a dance off with Gail Monfils. He could he could maybe give Rude a problem in the first round. <laughs> He's playing through the spirit of Monfils just for you, Anthony. 
Exactly. By the way, still mad that I didn't mention Monfils on the last pod when he won outright in the first round in one of the greatest <laughs> matches of all time. Uh, and I'm still mad because I put a note in the in our doc to, to mention Monfils and how he was going to win, and then I didn't, and uh, that was on me. Anyway, sure won't happen again. He's not in the field here, but Laurent will be will be channeling his spirit. Uh, <laughs> no, do not bet Laurent Lacoli against Rude. Maybe first set. You know, Rude hasn't played tennis. He's been partying in, in uh, Spain, kind of hitting the raves, uh, not quite Often. focused and dialed in here maybe, but uh, no, I'm not interested in him. Anyway, uh, yeah, not a ton in general in this quarter. I think it's kind of interesting to see what Fritz looks like. Uh, we'll get to upset picks. We're going to each give our favorite first round upset in a minute. Uh, once we talk about the fourth quarter uh, where uh, there's this guy uh, from Serbia and he's the two seed uh, and he's minus 450 to win the quarter, minus 350 to make the final. And the draw, we've already discussed Djokovic's draw. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't get much easier than getting put in a quarter with Echeverry and, and Kashin and, and, you know, some clay court specialists, Hercotch and, and Musetti and, you know, Hubie can be fun, but uh, the form hasn't been great with him. And Felix, you know, we all want to get behind Felix, but he hasn't been very good lately either. Bublik is going to be the hot name, right? But how is there any value in going against Novak in a quarter? I mean, it's also just the fact that we have a large sample size of Alexander Bublik. Like he's played well over 15 majors in his career and he hasn't passed the third round. And uh, I'm not, look, I loved his hollow run. He played awesome. Nobody could return his serve. His ace rates were through the roof. His focus was great. But is he going to continue to serve that well? And is he con going to continue to focus that well? And I think those are huge question marks and I got to see it for more than one week. So I, I think it's a good idea to try to get on the other side of Bublik. Yeah, I think that's actually a good, a good sell high position on Bublik and Bublik against Djokovic, to be honest, maybe Bublik would be trendy on some levels in that match. I think Novak would absolutely destroy Bublik because he's going to get on that serve so well. And in baseline rallies, it's a joke between those two. So I would stay away from it and I would completely stay away from this quarter in general. Felix, if he wasn't still holding some injuries and, and really struggling, maybe that would be just a tiny bit of a look considering he took Rafa to five at Roland Garros. So maybe he can take some players in their home courts, but, or their best courts, I should say. The other one is Nick, who's could be a decent price at, at 14 to one if he wasn't also dealing with some serious injury concerns. And it's hard to see him playing three out of five matches consistently. So I would stay away from this quarter. The yeah, the 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 humble underdog from from Serbia will will take it and challenge the one seed number one in the world, Carlos Alcaraz, in the final. The 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 the, the thing that Kyrgios is twelve to one when he lost to Yibing Wu and was saying apologizing to his fans for not being at the <laughs> level he needs to be. I mean, if you're betting Nick, if you want to bet Nick Kyrgios to win this quarter at twelve to one, shoot me a DM. I'll book it and we'll, 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 we'll do that because like, save your money, please. Same with Berrettini. Uh, like I love Nick Kyrgios. Uh, you know, maybe I have some questions, uh, marks about his character at times. And, you know, he's not always, a you know, not always professional at times for sure. And he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve for better or worse. And I love watching him play, but this, this Nick is not the Nick of last year. This is not, uh, a nick of anywhere, shape, or form to be, you know, consistently beating these top guys that he would need to do to get to this met point. And same with Berrettini. I mean, just because they played in the Wimbledon final the last two years doesn't make them all of a sudden 
dark horses. I mean, everybody can look at the draw and know, oh, look, Kyrgios was in the final last year, 12 to one to win the quarter. Uh, he also, you know, hasn't had any success. And I think he reveres Novak to the point where he would uh, not mail it in, but know that, you know, he's he's pretty up against it. If if he even got that far uh, where, you know, he gets Gofan in round one, I, I think he may well lose. So uh, I have no interest in Nikirios yeah. uh, and no interest in Berrettini either. I wish they were in better form. It'd make for a better tournament, but yeah. they are not. That's that's one of the aspects of this, you know, Novak thing where we're kind of shrugging our shoulders because these are legitimately FAA, Berrettini, Kyrgios. These are the three guys who are actually elevated by grass, where we talk about so many guys who are uh, made worse uh, by being uh, having this grass under their feet. Uh, your Tsitsipas, your Medvedev, your Rude, your Zverev even. Uh, it's so many of them. And then the guys who that's not the case with, they have health question marks. And I completely agree with everything you said about Nick. There's a notion that he doesn't need to work hard and he doesn't need to train. And it's total BS. It's not true. Yeah, I mean, Nick was dedicated last year and he put amazing results in and I wish he did that more. Anyway, let's get to upsets. First round, uh, we've talked through all the quarters. None of us have any bets, I guess, for the fourth quarter because it's, there's just no point in going against Djokovic. You're, you're drawing dead. I mean, I was pretty proud of my Karen Hatchinov ticket. Last uh, last tournament at Roland Garros, I was like 12 to 1, Karen, you know, Djokovic, maybe he loses early. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, oh, great. I got Hatchinov to the quarterfinal. He's 8 to 1 against Novak. What a great job. You know, what a great ticket. Uh, and it, it was dead. I mean, he won a set, but it wasn't competitive. And so, you know, if Novak goes out for some unknown reason, congratulations. You now have incredible value on your quarters tickets, but I'm not betting this quarter personally. Uh, and we can move on to upset alert. Avery, you jumped at the bit when I mentioned this in our pre-show text you have an upset you like in round one odds are up for round one matches at FanDuel what is your favorite upset match and you could also make it a popcorn match to steal it from Gil if you want to throw <laughs> that in there yeah not not popcorn matches but I actually have two that I really like and the first is Nuno Borges against Francisco Sarundolo a Sarundolo who will likely have played two matches uh on Saturday I believe is that correct Gil there's, yeah, this is yeah, a Saturday they, final. Yeah, so yeah. this will all be on Saturday, as long as he converts from five two against against Mackie McDonald in the morning, then he'll have a second match in the final in Eastbourne. It's fortunate for him that he's playing on Tuesday. This isn't a Monday a Monday match against Borges, but Borges is a guy who is very capable on the big stage. He beat Ben Shelton at the U.S. Open. He snagged a win, uh, I believe, in two of his last three Slam main draws. So. I'm not concerned about the mentality necessarily. And I'm also not concerned about his game. He reached a semifinal on grass and a challenger losing to Andy Murray, who's just a level above him on the surface. And he also has flat strokes. So his game suits really well. He's flat, pretty flat forehand and even flatter backhand can have a big serve. A lot of the time it was Isner that he beat actually at Roland Garros. Now that I think about it in five sets. So he came through some really tough matches against, against Shelton and Isner and almost beat Wu who is in great form at the U S open as well. This guy's a gamer. His play really suits the surface, and he could be coming into a Sarindolo who, when not serving well on grass, can be really gettable. The second is Jan Choinsky against Dusan Lajovic. I actually, Choinsky is a guy that not many people are going to know, and I haven't seen many of his matches, admittedly, since I my consumption of the Challenger Tour has far decreased in the last year or two years. But he's a guy that likes clay a little bit more than grass, even though he's British. But nonetheless, he's a big guy with a big serve. And he's been playing on grass, whereas Dusan Lajevic 
has not been playing since the French Open after withdrawing against Jijin Jang, where he was hurt. Is a guy that does not like playing on the grass. I believe he's six and twenty-three in grass in his career, and Choinsky is two and eleven. But nonetheless, it's a spot that I really like Choinsky, especially at a plus one eighty price. So Nuno Borges plus two eighty, Jan Choinsky plus one eighty. All right, Gil. Uh, so I'm gonna go first with uh, a Roland Garros rematch. Uh, Arthur Fees is plus one twenty-two against Alejandro Davidovich Fikina. <laughs> And uh, ADF won in Paris in four sets. The the big difference here is is the serve. Uh, Fakina, Fies has a way bigger serve than Fakina, and especially on the first day at Wimbledon, when the grat or the second day when the grass is slick, it's playing it's playing quicker, and you can get a lot of cheap points and get a lot of free points. And you know, ultimately, Fies has this extremely aggressive personality uh, on the court. He's going after his shots. And I think Davidovich Fakina on the red clay, you know, flying around and scrambling and defending is a problem for Feast. And on grass, it's just not going to be that, it, that, that same issue. So uh, if they're going to get into a, a war of, of shot making and finishing capabilities, I think Feast is right there and some. Uh, so, you know, Davidovich Fakina, also someone with, with some f- issues with consistency. Uh, and I, I think the arrhythmic kind of best of five match against a uh, very, I guess, fiery opponent can also play into Fisa's advantage. I didn't think uh, Gil was going to mention that because I gave him out at four to one on the French Open pod and he got absolutely waxed. Uh, and I thought we'd get a little bit of a better number here, but I'm still going to be riding with Feast as well. I think the surface is, you know, that that much of a difference. I agree with that. Uh, I'm also going against Taylor Fritz in the first round. I've been really impressed uh, with Hanfman taking kind of a, a step forward uh, and and really uh, being impressive. I got to give a shout out to my, my pal, Matt Liberman, uh, who, you know, I talk tennis with on a regular basis and he kind of had this one circled as well. Uh, so I'm going to go with Hanfman uh, to pull off an upset against Fritz. Uh, you know, you, you talked about it, Avery, with, with Fritz. Like, I go back and forth on my opinions of Taylor and kind of how he manages his mental and how he, uh, you know, progresses as a player. But I think Hefman has the kind of game that can give him problems. Uh, you know, they've played this season. So, you know, I'm going to go with him as my underdog in uh, round one as well. Uh, I will be betting Penniston to win a set. May even sprinkle some money line too uh, against Andy. Just think that uh, his game on the grass is really interesting. And any interest, I know what we, you know, you talked about how you're kind of long Tiafo here. Yibing Wu in the first round. Uh, thoughts on that matchup? Are we still going to just see a lot of tie breaks? If so, like I think it, you know, almost four to one, Yibing Wu is kind of intriguing. Playable, playable number for sure. He's been really liking the grass in his first grass court season. At this number, yeah, you could sprinkle it for sure, and I'd say it's a it's a pretty solid bet. Yeah, I can't disagree. Even as someone who who likes Tiafo, uh, Wu, they, they actually have similar qualities on the return. They take it really early, and they have fast enough hands to uh, hit the return pretty fast, even though they are taking it early. And and that's nasty on grass. It's important on grass, and uh, so that's good. And then I, I guess I'll also add uh, Mackie McDonald, plus 180, Alexander Bublik, kind of mentioned wanting to fade Bublik. Uh, yeah, Mackie is going to need to play on Saturday, lose in Eastbourne likely. He's way down uh, in, in that match currently. Um, but it is grass. Like that's the only counter to the, 
I, I don't think it's ideal to play two matches on Saturday before Wimbledon. Don't get me wrong, but it's not as physical. Um, and, and therefore I, I don't think it's as consequential as certainly playing before the U S open uh, and definitely playing before Roland Garros. All right. Well, that will do it for the men's singles preview of the championships. Wimbledon. I only call it that it's the championships Wimbledon. It's a, it's a thing of mine, but thank you to Avery and Gil. Uh, we are big fans now. So Robbie, uh, Roberto Batista, goo 14 to one in his quarter. Gills on some Sebi Corda. Uh, we, we threw a ton of first round upsets. I'm not going to recap all of them, uh, but we also threw some shots uh, on, on some longer guys in, in what is a very open field outside of the top. Uh, I am personally not invested in Djokovic at minus 175, but uh, you know, may end up doing it anyway. Cause I just, you know, for a guy who's this much better than the field, I don't know how you uh, beat him in a three of five here, unless Alcaraz finds a level and can manage his nerves. So that will do it for this episode we will be back ahead of the u.s open uh to do the fourth and final major of the season might have a little bit of a different crew but uh nevertheless hoping to uh, make this and continue what has been a successful podcast thus far and uh, thank you all for listening action network reminds you please gamble responsibly If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.